it's time. Roll for initiative. All right. So, what do you do? Hey, and welcome to Tabletop 101. This is your host, Caleb. And this is the disembodied voice inside your head, Mike. And today's episode of Tabletop 101 is a special one. Uh, we're actually going to be doing our game spotlight Ooh. on Cyberpunk Red. Nice. So nice. now, Mike, as the resident cyberpunk, you know, expert, really, for Tabletop 101. Yeah. What is cyberpunk, for those who don't know? So that's that's a big question, right? So... I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with some of the more recent releases, like Cyberpunk Edge Runners, the anime, or the Cyberpunk 2077, the video game. These are all part of a larger series of games that started way, way back in like was like the 80s or the 90s. There was a uh, this black box game called Cyberpunk. Um, retroactively, we call it Cyberpunk 2013 now because that's the year the game was set back when that was the future, you know. And it was this kind of astonishing, dark and grim game about street-level punks doing dirty jobs for money while also borging out on this uh, vast array of of high-tech weaponry and human augmentations. Um, Since then, there was a sequel, a second edition called Cyberpunk 2020, which everyone knows and loves. There was the less-known Cyberpunk 3.0, and most recently, uh, releasing alongside this new kind of wave of cyberpunk goodness, we have Cyberpunk Red, also known as Cyberpunk 2045, which takes place between the old games and the new video game. While... The world is in a state of recovery after this corporate war. You see these big corporations basically went to war with each other for over, you know, petty things. Uh, Some nukes happened. The world the game takes place in, called Night City, uh, is basically burned to ash. And we're so many years into the future now where we're finally starting to rebuild and see a brighter, albeit red-tinged, sunrise in the future. And so with that cyberpunk red here, we have uh, a very different thing. I'm assuming set the year 2045. So yes. Cyberpunk 2045. Yeah. Um, but what kind of things really embody cyberpunk? I, I, I hear there's some core rules for cyberpunk. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. So there are, there are precisely three rules you need to keep in mind. The first is, you know, to be a cyberpunk, is style over substance. It, it doesn't matter how good you do something as long as you can look really cool doing it. I mean, sure, having armor and, like, a big gun's important, but, like, the big gun's got to be shiny, and the armor's got to have spikes on it, you know? Uh, second, 100%, right? Like, you, you can't look like yeah. a loser. Exactly. Second of all, attitude is everything. You got to think dangerous. You got to be dangerous. This isn't a game where everyone uh, plays subdued, level-headed characters. I mean, you're punks, right? You're raging against the machine in a futile effort to change the world. You got to be a kind of a, an angry, edgy person. Speaking of that, number three is live on the edge. Don't drive slow when you can drive fast and drive yourself to the absolute edge of humanity uh, seeing how far you can take it before you burn out. Oh, and don't forget rule number four, break the rules, all of them. And and I think that's an important reminder here that like, unlike 
so often in other games and other role-playing games and whatnot uh what we even mentioned like why you should role play why you should try role-playing games back in our player one-on-one episode mm-hmm. we're talking about being the hero and stuff like that in this you're not so much that that hero of light and goodness kind of thing you are a punk you're a you're a street punk kind of thing and you're more often than not a criminal right because the world the world is scrooge yeah right you're not you're not playing cyberpunk because you're rich you're famous um, or you've got ambitions to make the world a better place. You're just trying to put food on the table. You're just trying to, you know, pay for the medication that you need to keep your mind sane from all of the different cyberware that you've shoved into your brain. And you're usually just kind of out to protect number one. That's you and your crew. If you can help someone else along the way, great. But everything else is optional. Exactly, and I think that's a that's a really important distinction between this and a lot of other games mm-hmm. uh, in that kind of regard. Definitely, yeah. Now, I noticed something unique on the cover of the Cyberpunk game. I believe it called it the role-playing game of the dark future. Right. You want to enlighten our listeners to what that means? Yeah, so the the dark future kind of plays into the dystopia, that this isn't a beautiful, shiny, neon-lit city. I mean, it is. But that's all to distract you from how terrible things actually are, how difficult it is to like actually find food and find the technology to actually like keep yourself safe, um, how twisted that corporate control has really taken away people's humanities and people's autonomy um and like it's it's funny because when this game came out a big thing in cyberpunk red was like a shipping crisis it was impossible to get things from like a to b and it came out right around the 2020 like in our life actual shipping crisis which i thought was really funny because they they kind of point a bunch of well based on where we are now how could the world be twisted and warped in the future and it's funny seeing a lot of this stuff kind of slowly coming true for worse and for even worse. And so in case it's not quite obvious at this point, I have very little experience with the dark future and cyberpunk style games mm-hmm. where you have quite a bit, it seems. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of both the game and the genre. So there's a bunch of fantastic cyberpunk anime out there to watch, like Ghost in the Shell and Akira and uh, there's a bunch of fantastic role-playing games. So my first cyberpunk role-playing game wasn't actually a cyberpunk game. It was a little indie game called The Sprawl, which really got me into the idea of doing this futuristic game where the players weren't, like, altruistic heroes, but they were just out to basically protect their community. It felt so human and so relatable for someone who ran a bunch of games about fantasy elves and wizards all the time i fell in love with it instantly and then from there got into cyberpunk 2020 and uh cyberpunk red now that it's a a big thing yeah it sounds good so let's let's dive a little bit deeper into actually cyberpunk red let's talk about some of the the core mechanics of the games Mm -hmm. and kind of what that game entails Mm -hmm. Uh, so as far as kind of like an overview of the game and how it actually plays Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to somebody who is interested or intrigued by it? What would you tell them how it plays? Yeah, there's a lot of different mechanics in the game to kind of sink your teeth teeth into, from like martial arts, gunfights, driving, um, installing cyberware. But end of the day, the core mechanic of the game is conflict resolution. 
So in this game, your characters are defined by their attributes and their skills. Attributes are things like reflexes, cool, um, uh, things that kind of define what makes a punk a punk, right? And then their skills are things like handguns, uh, bribery, and street smarts, stuff like that. And these will rate usually between like 0 and 9, and you will add an attribute to a skill, and roll a d10, add it all together, and that's your, that's your success rating. Uh, usually you're rolling against someone else in a face-to-face -face roll, in that case the defender always wins ties, or you're rolling against a target number, usually between like 10 and 20 or maybe higher if your GM's a little mad at you that night or you're trying something particularly stupid. Um, one thing to note is if I say the difficulty is like 15, you need to roll better than a 15. If you roll a 15, you fail. If you roll a 16, you, you beat the difficulty of 15. Um, so really, the main die you need for the game is, is d10s, at least one of them. Um, you'll also need some d6s, so if you want to get a pack uh, from your, your local copy of Yahtzee in your, your closet somewhere. Uh, your d6s are primarily used for doing harm. A lot of your guns and melee weapons will do a certain number of d6 worth of damage to your opponent. And if I recall correctly, there's a mechanic with the actual d10s in which if you roll a 10 it explodes in that you get to roll an additional d10 and add that to the 10 to your whole number as a, as a whole. Yeah. Whereas if you roll a 1, you add the 1 to your uh, extra bonuses and everything. Mm -hmm. However, you then roll a 10 again and subtract that from your total. So it's possible to still succeed or fail if you roll like a, a 10 or a 1, but it makes it really hard to succeed on one and really hard to fail on the other. Mm -hmm. um, you can also try to do tests that your character might not be able to complete. Maybe if your skill plus attribute only gave you like a plus 10 and you needed a, a difficulty 24 uh, acrobatic skill to like make some ridiculous jump, um, you could potentially roll a 10, then roll a 5 after that and pass it. Though it's very unlikely, so good mm -hmm. luck. Um, so some of, the, some of the tools that you guys get, uh, both as like uh, players or GMs. Starting with the players, um, you get to define your character by picking what kind of role they play in the world. There's there's ten. Uh, kind of a brief summary of them because they're not your standard uh, role playing game fare. Uh, you get what's called the rocker boy. Not necessarily a boy or a girl. It can be whatever you want it to be. But a rocker boy is someone who has a charismatic impact. Uh, they have fans, people who listen to their word, to their music. Uh, or, or whatever kind of goal they want to kind of push, and they can push those people to help them to achieve that goal. Next, you have your solo. Your solo is kind of your combat-heavy class in this. Um, they can be ranged, they can be melee, they can be unarmed, they can use weapons, and they're all about just combat and being able to win fights. Excellent. And anyone can win fights, but the solo just does it the best. Absolutely. Um, we've got the Netrunner. They're your fast-thinking, cool hacker. Um, they're not the stay-at-home-and-hang-on-the-bathtub kind of hacker, though. They get up there close and personal in the, into the job to dive into the mainframe and mess with security and steal that nice, spicy pay data. Up next, you have your tech. Your tech is kind of like your, um, basically the guy who creates everything, the guy who's going to be able to make whatever you need out of whatever scraps are lying around. Uh, they're going to be able to fix things. They're going to be able to mend things. At the same time, they're going to be able to build things. 
Nice. And in all the, the things. In the apocalyptic future of the of 2045, that is a very useful thing to have around. Um, you Next, you have the media. They're kind of like the reverse side of the Rocker Boy, or another review on it, where they're all about trying to change public opinion by telling the truth. They get out there, they look for for clues, try to find answers, and they, they just pour it out there just trying to change people's minds and trying to make the world a better place. Up after that, we have our med tech. This is kind of your healer with a little bit of that tech side as well because in the future, we don't just use Band-Aids. <laughs> they use different types of stimulants and stuff like that. They're also going to be the people who are going to be able to help install and even fix cyberware. Next, we have the exec. Not like top-of-the-line CEO, but think like mid-level manager. They're team leaders and trying to climb that corporate ladder to make something better themselves. Greedy, greedy people. Up after that, we have the lawman. The lawman is kind of like your police officer, but they're not your modern-day police officers. They're actually surprisingly more violent, usually. (laughs) And uh, they get all sorts of crazy, crazy gear. Because after all, it's cyberpunk. Yeah. Uh, Next up, we've got the fixer. Some of your best friends in the dark future. If you need a job, if you need a car, a shotgun, some cool cyberware, hit up your fixer and they'll get that to you. Or play the fixer yourself and be the guy everyone who comes to. And last but definitely not least is the nomad. The nomad is your Mad Max style car character. They're going to have all the vehicles not to mention they're going to be able to get more vehicles if they need it. They're just crazy people. <laughs> the best kind of people. So, first as a player, you, you pick one of these that sounds cool to you. You get a special action that only you can do. Um, as you play the game, you get these things called IP, improvement points. You don't like hit level 2 or level 3. You just get these points at the end of each session, and you can spend them either on your own roll ability... Um, or on whatever skill you want. So anyone can be good at kung fu. Anyone can be good at sneaking. Um, You can build your character however you want it to be. Now, if you want to become very powerful, you need more than just experience. You need money, and you get money by doing jobs and cheating other people over. This money can then be spent on better living conditions, zeppelins, tanks, nice cars, great weapons, and also cybernetics. We can chop off parts of your own body to shoot lasers out of your eyes. Or have um, a shotgun pop out of your leg. Ooh, no one expects that one. Um, or you can even have like a, like a biomonitor. So if you are, are, are in critical condition, your uh, biomonitor can contact Trauma Team, this uh, flying ambulance that shows up with a full security team to pull you to safety. Um, you can do many, many things with cyberware in this game. Now... As a GM, as the game master, you're given a lot of things to tell stories in the world of Cyberpunk 2045 in Night City. You're given a lot of different books and movies that it recommends that you watch to kind of get into the vibe of the genre. It gives you a bunch of setting material, both with the timeline leading up from the previous editions up to this current game. It gives you an entire map of the city with all the different corporations and gangs. 
a bunch of these things called scream sheets, which is one side is like a newspaper you give to your players with a bunch of stuff going on. And on the other side, it has some plot points that you can use to introduce adventure to your games, to entice your players to kind of keep active, to try to keep finding jobs to do and kind of keep the game moving forward. So if someone's interested in Cyberpunk, in Cyberpunk Red specifically, where do you think they should get started? How, how would they go about getting started with this? Well, clearly you got to join my table and play. I mean, okay, that's kind of hard to do. I can't, I can't GM for everyone. Um, there's actually a couple of ways to get into the game right now. There's, of course, your core book. There's a starter book that, or a starter box set that came out a couple years ago. But I would actually recommend this little book called Cyberpunk Red Easy Mode. It came out earlier this year for Free RPG Day. You can probably still find a free or a cheap copy, you know, lying around online. Or even better, you can download it for free on the Artalsorian website. That's the company that made the game, or on Drive Through RPG or wherever you get your games. It's a nice, easy 40 pages. It has 10 pages of, you know, what is cyberpunk? Uh, 10 pages of like the story uh, and mechanics. It has some very simple character creation for doing this life path, kind of, uh, you know, who your character is in this world. And then a nice, small little adventure. Now, it's not perfect. It's not complete. It's missing a lot of the rules that you would use for advancing your character and getting more upgrades. But it's a really nice starting point for, for new players without having to spend any money. And we'll actually be tossing that link down below uh, in our little box where you can get the description. So if anybody's interested in that, you can just check that out right there. Definitely. And then once you've played that, if you want to keep going, uh, you can either go to the box set, which will give you more rules and like little standees and some more adventures to play. Or you can just jump right to the full book, which will give you everything that you need with... I don't know how many pa- there's like 400 pages in here of cyberware and uh, lore and just so much stuff to sink your teeth into. And so I think what we need to do at this point is what we're going to do for all of our game spotlights. Give our we've kind of talked about the game quite a bit here, kind of giving you some overviews of it and everything. But let's get our personal opinions on the game itself. Okay. We're going to each give our personal opinion here. And then as just a nice little thing here to show, hey, look, we're not we're not sponsored by any of these companies or anything like that. Nobody's paying us to give our opinions on these. We also want to give a criticism of the game. What is our one biggest criticism mm-hmm. on our personal opinions? Yeah. Uh, you want to go ahead and start us off with that? Yeah. So are we starting with like the personal opinion and yeah, then I going think, into the I criticism? Start with the, start with the opinion and then go to criticism. All right, so my opinion is actually, it's pretty positive for this game, if you haven't picked up already. I don't think there's a perfect role-playing game out there, but for me, this scratches a lot of my my needs for a game. I really like the setting, that kind of, like, in-between uh, a future of, like, it's, it's cyberpunk, it's futuristic, but it's also, like, apocalyptic, too. So I love the setting, I think it's really cool. Um, setting isn't everything in the game, though. The mechanics are really fun. Um, I'm a big fan of the net running and the hacking, I think, is quite uh, toned down from previous games, where like the net runner would have like an hour session to themselves while everyone waited. Uh, net running is streamlined in this very beautifully. Uh, the way that like cover and armor and melee and shooting, it's like this beautiful tactical little chess game that plays out quick and dirty. Um, so I would I would recommend this game if you just want to try something different from your standard fantasy game, something that's a little bit grimmer and darker, but also fun, explosive, and you know filled with a bunch of bunch of attitude. 
Um, I think my one criticism with the book, though, and this is uh, this is a bit of a personal thing, the book repeats information a lot in it. So I was just looking at the, there's a weapon chart where there's like, you know, all the different guns. It's presented first in character creation, and then it's presented again in the combat section, and then once again in the very back for um like gear but back there there's more stuff for guns that isn't listed anywhere else and the first time they show you guns it's it shows you what some guns are but it doesn't tell you what some of those things actually do and it's a little frustrating needing to flip back and forth now devil's advocate it's actually kind of nice because you can see those things where they make sense like it makes sense to see them in character creation to pick a gun for your new character it makes sense to see it in the combat chapter because you're talking about combat and maybe if you're running combat you want to know okay this is how much damage a shotgun does and then you see it again under the gear chapter because you're at a night market buying guns you want to know what you can actually purchase and use so it makes sense but i think a little bit of streamlining might make the game a little bit easier to read oh and, and also um, if you do buy this book, there have been several edits to it. If you flip, like, two pages in to the cast and crew and look at the very bottom, right next to where it says printed in Canada, it's either going to say first printing, second printing, or third printing. Buy the third printing. As of the recording of this video, it's the newest one and has a lot of changes to it that make it a lot more readable. Um, I'm still playing with my first printing book because I love it. Fair enough. So as far as my opinion on this, we've already mentioned a little bit on here. I don't have as much, nearly as much experience with cyberpunk, the genre, or cyberpunk systems. However, I would say that I've played, I would go with four RPGs, tabletop RPGs, that I would consider to be either cyberpunk-like or mm-hmm. cyberpunk-adjacent RPGs. Okay. Um, of those, this is one's probably my favorite. Um, I really enjoy a lot of the mechanics to the game it's very clean smooth um the game plays very nicely it plays very logically with a lot of the Mm -hmm. uh, combat and everything it makes sense Mm -hmm. it really just makes sense to me from that kind of aspect okay um i like the versatility and the different skills i mean i can be a solo and actually build to where i'm good in conversation as well or i can be a uh, tech and I can build to where I'm very good in melee, yeah. you know, I, I love and have freedom. those like kind of cyber katanas and everything like that and have some fun with that. Yeah. My, my one criticism of the game, uh, and it is a core mechanic of the game, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. my one criticism is the exploding dice mechanics. Okay. Um, and normally I'm, I'm bored with some of those to an extent, but because of the fact that the game has those so built in with a D 10, uh, in which, 20% of the time you're going to explode either positively or negatively and only 80% of the time are you only rolling one die um, because that's so built into the game the variances you can get in some of those skill checks and everything and those mm-hmm. those checks and balances that you need can be such a wide range it can make the tasks feel almost infantile or impossible Yes. as a result so I, I do normally like those kind of things where it, because it gives that epic moment of, oh my gosh, I just did this thing I'm really bad at, but I had to do it in this moment. And mm-hmm. I rolled a 10 and got like an 8, so I got a plus 18 to this, and it was insane. But at the same time, it can really, really stink if you're up against somebody in combat and they mm-hmm. only have a plus 6 and you have a plus 12, but they just rolled a 10 and a 10, so now they're sitting yeah. in a, you know, what did I say, plus 8, so 
28 and you've yeah. got a plus 12 and you now have to crit in order to even come close to theirs. Yeah. So that kind of stinks as well. Um, but that's my one major criticism of it is is that. Yeah. And again, d- devil's advocate on that. It You can get at a point where like sometimes like the, the only way to like succeed or fail a thing is to crit positively or to crit negatively. Mm-hmm. So it is nice to have that in there as kind of like a, a, a balancing act where you could maybe need a target number 13 to shoot someone point blank with a pistol and you're rolling a plus 14. So the only way you could possibly fail is to roll a one. So it's kind of nice to have like that, that worst case scenario. Well, you're going to fail 10% of the time. And so to kind of bring it to a close here, Cyberpunk is one of those games where if you want to play in that dystopian future, if you want to be that that street-level punk who's just going to, you know, uh, get crazy insane cyberware in their body and be able mm. to shoot people and steal from people and do some crazy stuff, Yeah, this is your style of game. This is what yeah. you want to play. Yeah, you want a futuristic feel as well. You want to tell your own uh, story uh, adjacent to Cyberpunk Edge Runners, the anime. You want to play David with his cool San Devastan. You want to play Best Girl Kiwi. You can you can play those characters in this game. I told you, Caleb, I'd get that in here. Um, yes, you did. And you know what? <laughs> Just for that, I will I will go ahead and mention this. My movie experience and 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 like as far as media with with Cyberpunk uh, is Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, That's yeah. about it. Oh, it's funny because Keanu Reeves from Johnny Mnemonic or Mnemonic is Johnny Silverhand in the video game, and it's funny because Johnny Silverhand is like like a brain chip uh, memory, and Johnny Mnemonic has like a brain chip in his head, and it's like canonically uh, Johnny Mnemonic is Johnny Silverhand. Nice, in my canon. Well, there you go, hundred percent. And I think that brings us to a nice close here. Uh, this has been Tabletop One Hundred and One. Uh, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been uh, Caleb and the disembodied voice in your head, Mike. Yeah, we we hope to do more of these cool GM spotlights. Uh, if you think that there's some some stuff that you want to talk about the game too, uh, you know, let let us know. Send us an email if you think we missed something, or if you if you think the game's cool and have questions, I'm always willing to answer. Or if you want to play, I'm always open to run games on Discord or on Roll Twenty. Hit me up. Sounds great. Uh, you guys have a wonderful night, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. See you, Chum. Bye. Bye.